Welcome to the Intuitively Aligned Podcast, a place for changemakers to cultivate their intuition and foster greater impact in their everyday lives. I am your guide, Sydney Bloom. In today's episode, I will be sharing with you some of my own intuition development journey. And one of the things that I like to ask guests who come onto the podcast is, what is your relationship to your intuition? And for me, my intuition is something that has grown and changed over time, but it is something that I've always been aware of. I don't think that I had the depth of understanding that I have now when I was a child or a teenager or even a young adult, but I, I definitely grew up with some awareness that there is an intergenerational gift of clairvoyance in my family. I grew up hearing stories about my great-grandmother's sisters who back in Digby, Nova Scotia in the late 1800s were having visions of sometimes shocking events that would then come to pass. Similarly, growing up, I have a very close cousin who would have clairvoyant dreams and insights. And it's actually quite amazing now that we're both adults. We are both deeper in our intuitive practices. And these are things that we can talk about and share, which is really cool. All of that to say, I definitely grew up with a feeling and a knowing that there may be some sort of extra sensory awareness that I would have, but I didn't necessarily have the guidance or structure or formal understanding to really know and believe in it or to really even understand what it was. So I would say that early on, my relationship with my intuition was a little bit murky. I, for example, would get very spooked out by horror movies. As a little kid, I kind of loved them. But as I became a teenager, I became more energetically sensitive. I started to really feel like there would be times when I would get goosebumps or have a sensation that there might be some kind of an energy around and I just had no idea what that was and I was scared to think that it might be a spirit or a ghost. I didn't have the kind of understanding around spiritual mediumship that I've grown into where I'm able to hold this intentionality around the interconnection between the earthly world that we live in and the spiritual realms and to hold it all with an intention of ease and grace and love, and that anything I receive supports my best and highest good. So back when I was young and I hadn't heard of intention setting, and I didn't really know for a fact that I was an intuitive, or what you would even do if you were, how would you mobilize your gifts to support yourself and not to just freak out? It was definitely very confusing. And when I try to imagine, like I try to sometimes remember, when did I first connect with these gifts? Because of course, even without the formal understanding of what intuitive gifts are, children and young people naturally just connect in with whatever is real for them. And so I do have really clear memories of being a three-year-old and talking with what I called my invisible friend. And I think I knew that it was okay to have an invisible friend. And so I decided to call this, this kind of young man who I would talk to Mr. Invisible 
And I remember I also had a dog, like an invisible real dog. And there are these things that would happen that etched into my mind and never left. Like every night I would imagine snuggling with my dog in a certain way. And then sure enough, about, you know, 20, 25 years later, when I got my own dog as a young adult, I had this moment of integration where I was cuddling with my dog on the bed and I realized he was the dog in spirit that I had been with as a three-year-old. It was almost like a, a projection into the future that I was connecting with or projecting into some kind of spirit realm or some kind of deep knowing. And when I finally got Rudy, when I was in my mid-20s, I had this feeling of deja vu. He and I knew each other. And I actually feel a very, very profound connection with him. Although this episode isn't meant to, to necessarily dwell on stories of my spirit connection with my dog. I think we'll actually come to that in a future episode where I bring on this incredible animal communicator that I know. But for now, I'll just say that I can look back on my early childhood and recognize that I was totally comfortable playing in the world of imagination, playing in the world of energy, of spirit. And there was no separation between what was real and what was imaginary. There was no social conditioning, or maybe it was like the very beginning of it as every child goes through life. You know, there's obviously moments where you realize what is sort of understood to be the shared language with the adults in your life and in the world and what are the things that seem less I don't want to say acceptable because I think my parents are super open and they've always been open to have conversations with me about their intuition about their gifts and so it wasn't like it wasn't welcome but certainly I don't think any of us including them would have had a vocabulary for really reflecting on it and talking about it with a child at such a young age. So yeah, but I can remember going as far back as that time. And I even recently got this this intuitive hit because I've always remembered that the guy who I called Mr. Invisible, I remember one day saying, oh, his name is Percy. His name is Percy. And I remember thinking, and I continue to think about this up until just a couple of months ago, how interesting it was that I connected with this name Percy because I didn't know anybody named Percy in my life. And a couple of months ago, I thought, huh, I got very interested in my ancestry and tracing this lineage. My maternal great-grandmother's generation And so I thought, oh, wouldn't it be cool to actually get the family tree and go back and look? And I was just shocked because I wasn't even looking for it. I just wanted to see the names of these sisters who I'd been hearing stories about from my mom's generation, her and her brother. And I look at the list and the youngest brother, who actually, I believe, died out at sea as a very young fisherman. And it was confirmed. I'd always heard this story about the youngest brother but I didn't know the details. I looked at the family tree and the youngest sibling, sure enough, had had passed away at a young age and his name was Percy. And it just shook me. (laughs) It shook me in the best way because all my life I never forgot about it. 
I would be riding on the subway and just thinking, oh, I wonder who Percy is. Like, what was that about, you know? And then maybe because it felt to me like it didn't feel like he was an angel or a spirit guide or something, I really just always thought, oh, I wonder who that young man was who I talked to when I was young. And he had a very pure energy. And so it turns out, I believe, that my Mr. Invisible from when I was, you know, two to three and a half years old, before I started school, I believe may actually be this youngest brother from the generation that at least I know of being very connected to their intuition and their psychic senses. And so it's definitely been a really interesting journey now, having come much more fully into my gifts, not just, you know, experiencing some of the synchronicities that I'll share that happened when I was in high school and in my young adulthood, but now being in this place where I feel like my intuition and spiritual practice is really with me all the time and something that I manage using my intention setting, it just felt so nourishing and full circle to look back on something that had felt like a bit of a lifelong mystery. Like, why would I just pick the name Percy out of nowhere as a kid? Because I knew that I secretly called him Percy and then put together that that's actually a piece of this intergenerational story. So... I will start on that note just to give you a little bit of context. And one other story I want to share just from my very early childhood was that the house that we were living in at that time was the home that had belonged to the very first schoolmaster in this little hamlet that, if you're familiar with the province of Ontario, exists somewhere between Hamilton and Cambridge, Ontario. And so my parents were living in this little hamlet in the old schoolmaster's house that they had actually renovated. And when I was growing up in those very, very early years, my parents had a number of interactions with what they would very openly say was the the friendly ghost of the old schoolmaster. And I also have memories of hearing his footsteps. And, you know, I think it's easy to be dismissive and say, of course, a little kid would imagine it. But I remember hearing him going back and forth between the attic door, and other parts of the house. And it was a good energy. He was warm. He was loving. So there was no fear in it for me. But my parents actually have stories about the attic door, which was a heavy piece of wood that you could only open by using a great amount of force and pushing your hands upward on it and then moving it out of its kind of carved... How do I describe this in the best way? The ceiling had a spot that had been carved so that this heavy rectangular piece of wood would fit into it and be heavy enough that it couldn't be moved not by wind you couldn't even push it really with your hand you'd have to use like two hands and heavy force to then lodge that wood up to then push the wood over if you needed to go up and get anything and I never went in there because I was obviously a little kid but my parents even tell stories about being downstairs with their friends during a blackout and sitting by the fire and then hearing a loud bang upstairs. And apparently, I think my dad just said, oh, yeah, that must be the old schoolmaster. And then they went up and sure enough, the wood had been pushed out and moved over. And so I share this with you not to give you chills, although I definitely have them telling this, but to just give you a sense that There was this understanding in my family growing up 
there was a kind of unspoken acceptance that the world of spirit might be around. And sometimes we know things and we know it, you know, just from stories that had been shared with me from my parents' childhood or from my cousin. Like I just always had that feeling like these things happen. And what I want to add with that is that I wasn't told about these things with any particular narrative. It's not as if my parents talked to me about like, hey, you have intuition and you can use it in this way. Or, hey, we believe in the world of spirit and this is what it means. They never said any of that. It was just that these things would happen and they would give me a factual account of what they had experienced or of what had happened, you know, when my mom was a little girl visiting her aunt and had this clairvoyant vision. And then I don't want to tell you that story because maybe one day I'll bring my mom onto the podcast to share it. But I was just given these factual accounts of what people had experienced and had my own experiences that through my childhood made me understand that maybe there was more than we knew how to explain. When I became a teenager, I went to an overnight camp during the summer. And oftentimes my friends and even my camp counselors would come and sit on my bunk bed and essentially get mini readings from me about their love lives or their personal teen dramas. And recently, like in the last couple of years, my friend Janice Stern, who is a metaphysical healer, pointed this out to me. So she had been my bunkmate at camp. And she was like, Sid, you've been giving all of us readings since as long as we can remember. And what makes me laugh is that I had never had an awareness that that's what was happening But she was right. I'd literally be counseling my own counselor to break up with this player who she was hanging out with and put more energy into this like super caring songwriter guy who I knew would be faithful to her. I just always loved looking at what was happening in people's lives and sharing my perspective and really storytelling about the highest possible outcome And that also included imagining what our lives would be like as adults and like making up games with my friends about the different adult lives that we could dream of. So it's very wild looking back now to really appreciate that that was me tapping into this ability without necessarily having a construct or a structure in which to use it. I was just a kid playing and sharing what I sensed and what I felt. In university, things were a bit different. So as I've already mentioned, I didn't have a self-concept as an intuitive, not until my early 20s. And at the same time, I had an awareness that, you know, sometimes these maybe magical things would happen or I'd have these synchronicities or intuitions. And I knew that those things were real, even though I didn't have a way of communicating about it. And When I was in university, you know, what I now think of as my intuitive gifts, they would often come up when difficult things would be happening to people I cared about. I've learned subsequently that this is actually a phenomenon that people experience who are intuitive, where we've been conditioned to not just be totally out in the world with our intuition. What I've learned is that your intuition will stay very, very quiet because that's where your intentionality sets the volume at unless there's something going on where for your own safety or for the well-being of someone you care about, 
that inner voice needs to sort of shout at you. And so in university, that was what would happen. My gifts would only really come up when something difficult was going on. And I'll give you an example. So one time I was studying in the library and I just got this awful, painful image of one of my good friends. And it just kept coming into my mind. And I was thinking, this is so awful. And I was in the library trying to study for a test with a group of friends. And in the image, it was very specific, but the overview is that she was hurt and she was really suffering. And like none of it made sense to me because the whole situation that I was seeing over and over in my mind's eye was completely unrelated to anything I'd ever heard about from her. So I was looking at it thinking, this makes no sense. Like, why is my mind going here? Because again, something that comes up as you cultivate your intuition is really the discernment between what are my own thoughts and what are my fears and anxieties versus what is an intuitive download, right? And so I was looking at this just thinking, how awful, like this isn't even from me. Where did this come from? And so finally, it wouldn't go away. I just kept ruminating. I thought, I'm just going to text her and ask if she's okay. And so I wrote to her and I think I tried to call her and she didn't answer. So I just texted her. And I said, are you okay? And she wrote back and was like, no, I'm not okay. Why are you writing me right now? And I said, well, you need to call me right now because I didn't want to have that conversation over text. And I was also frightened by what I had seen. Anyway, we got on the phone and I was saying to her, you know, what's going on? And she was saying, well, what did you see? And finally, I think she forced me to actually say what I had seen, which I felt so awful saying because I thought there's no way this could be true. And she confirmed that it was exactly the the painful experience that she had just been through. And we were both just shocked. And thankfully, she was okay. Like, she was fine. She was safe. But, you know, it was really, really shocking. And at the time, I didn't dwell on the fact that I had just had this clairvoyant vision I was only worried about my friend. Like, I just really was worried about her and needed to make sure she was okay. And so, yes, yeah, so thankfully she was. And I'm trying to think if she and I ever talked about it again. She and I did have a very psychic connection. So I don't know that we ever talked specifically about that experience, but I know that there were also other experiences that she and I shared where we would kind of check in with each other and have that intuitive connection and that friendship. As I came into my 20s and started more intentionally cultivating my intuition, what I can tell you is that these occasional clairvoyant visions and synchronicities and almost like SOS messages when there was something I really needed to pay attention to that I wasn't aware of ultimately started to become more integrated with my everyday life. And the way that that happened, I had this incredible psychic reading I discovered the woman who gave me the reading because she had given my psychic cousin a reading. And so even though my psychic cousin wouldn't have called herself psychic at the time, but she had told me the story over Christmas that, you know, she'd had this amazing reading and 
all of these like mind blowing things that this woman had mentioned. And so I thought I had to get a reading with her. And after I had the reading, I started to use specific tools to cultivate my intuition. So I was guided to start using angel oracle cards. I was guided to start setting intentions. And my intention setting practice really intensified probably six years later on a trip to Bali that I took. I had the blessing of meeting this incredible healer who basically shared stories from her life where she said to me, you know, I didn't realize how powerfully I could create things in my life. And so I would just curse the situation, like, get me out of this house. I don't care how you do it. And then her house like burned to the ground the next day or where she'd say, I hate this job. Make sure I never go back to that place. And then she had like a health emergency that had her in the hospital for several months. And so this experience in Bali actually was really formative in helping me learn to set intentions. That's why those who know me and those who work with me know that I consistently set intentions that every experience serve my and your best and highest good with ease, grace, and love, because that is the container in which I want to be energetically creating in my life. And that is what keeps me pointed in the right direction, working from a really positive place and not tapping into fear or when I do feel fear, you know, moving forward anyway, but certainly not getting dragged into too much gunk or mucky energy because everything that I'm tapping into is really, really intentionally serving the highest possible outcome. And so that was one of the big takeaways I got from my trip to Bali. But with this very early on reading that I had with my original psychic teacher, she really, it was funny, I think she knew that I wasn't ready to know that this would become my vocation. And so she just said, oh, you're going to pick up a hobby and you might make money doing that one day, but you really love your hobby. And then in a different part of the reading, she said, oh, you're very psychic. Like, did you know how psychic you are? So these different pieces of information all came through in the same reading, but she delivered it with a lot of grace so that I didn't get freaked out or interpret it overly as much as just embrace the natural next step for me as I started to work more intentionally with my intuition. So as I was saying, in my early 20s, I became very steadfast in setting daily intentions. And I would pretty much give myself mini readings where I would meditate, I would journal anything that I saw in my meditation, I was reading a lot of spiritual books, and then I would use oracle cards every day and give myself a reading. So I would meditate, I would journal on the meditation, and then I would give myself an oracle reading and I would write about what I saw in the cards. And I would sometimes use the guidebook, sometimes I wouldn't. It all really depended on the moment. All of this to say that in my early 20s, I went from having these occasional clairvoyant downloads when something serious was going on to becoming more integrated with my own intuition. I was working with the angels, connecting to that angelic vibe. I know some of you are probably listening saying, oh, I was with you until you mentioned talking to the angels. But 
What I will say about that is that I think everything is a construct. And if you haven't already heard me rant about this in my newsletter, then you're going to hear it right now, which is I think it's all energy. I think spirit, spirit guides, angels, past lives, you name it, it's all just energy. And we're using language to try to describe this energetic sensation that we feel. And language is a really insufficient tool to actually perfectly communicate those things. So when I talk about angels or when I talk about spirit or spirits that actually communicate, like I do some work with loved ones that have passed away, I'm just talking about energy. And I always say to my clients and to my community, take what works for you. Don't worry about the rest. Or if you hear something that doesn't align for you, then let that be your own inner knowing, reminding you where you stand and what your compass is and not to second guess yourself. So that's my little grain of salt for you, not to worry too much when I reference any kind of a spiritual construct. I'm just sharing my own journey with you. And I want you to take what of all of these stories works for you and helps you connect to your own intuition so that you can create impact in your own life. So I would set intentions, I would give myself these mini readings, I would call in the energy of the angels, and then just write down anything that came through to me, which is actually a formal intuition practice called automatic writing. And again, I didn't really know about automatic writing. I was just writing, but I knew that at a certain point while I was journaling, it would sort of feel like I was just trying to get onto paper these messages that were being shown or these ideas that were popping into my head but it wasn't it didn't feel of me necessarily it was more just coming through and so I made this transition into a time where I really came to have an intimate relationship with my intuition and at that time it was a short chapter of life maybe one year that I was living on my own and that was this period of really significant intuitive development where I could really play with it. I could listen to programs. In my intro, you hear me say that podcasts didn't exist when I was first starting out. Well, in reality, there wasn't podcasts, but there was Hay House Radio, where different intuitive authors and speakers would have shows. And so I remember listening to Sonia Choquette talk about trusting your vibes and giving people readings on this radio show that would be broadcast over the internet in that pre-podcast era. And that was, I think, a really important inflection point because so many people go through life for years and years and years only noticing their intuition at the moments that it really bubbles up, when you really feel it in your body. And this was different. This was forming that close relationship with my inner knowing and playing with it through multiple tools, through cards, through meditating, through writing. Eventually, I started giving readings to friends. And from there, started my side hustle giving readings. And it just flowed, but it began to flow in this very integrated and beautiful way. And at that point, it was more like a stream that was available at any time and not just clairvoyance in an emergency. What would start to happen is I was actually able to start supporting people I loved with insights that were really helping affirm their own paths. So one example is that 
a good friend of mine is a realtor. And I remember one day she was worrying about a sale that she was working on and whether it was going to go through. And I just knew it would be okay. And I told her that by this day, it would be fine. Her deal would close. And sure enough, it worked out exactly as I saw it. And the deal closed on that exact day. Similarly, at that time, I had predictions and dreams about engagements, weddings, pregnancies, and relationships that all came to pass. And these experiences really helped to validate my gifts and at the same time also really helped me cultivate what I come to understand as intuitive ethics and boundary setting. I have another episode of the podcast specifically dedicated to this topic because I think energetic boundaries are so important. But what's really important for this moment is just to share with you that while I was extremely clear in how I would set my intentions and work with my intuition and spirit in my own daily life to serve my best and highest good, I also became very, very clear of the importance not to be poking around other people's energy fields without consent or without being approached for a reading. And some people ask me, how does that work? Because, of course, in my daily life, nuggets will come in relating to things that I'm working on or things that I'm doing. And I will give you an example. I can think of a work situation where for months I was managing a collaborative project and I just had this feeling in my gut that the project partners were going to back out of the project. And I sensed it for months and months. And I really honestly felt like one person involved was not being honest with me about the conversations that were being had with other people in that organization. But nonetheless, what could I do about it? So I think I went as far as to tell my project partners in this organization, you know, please let me know if this isn't going to work out because I would really like to be able to give my own team a heads up if that's the case. But I just had such a weird vibe about it. I felt like I wasn't being spoken to honestly, that some people were keeping information kind of close to their chest. And then I went away on a vacation to Bali, the trip to Bali that I've mentioned, and came back and was told that this other organization had called my CEO and and backed out. Um, and it was a shock to everyone. And so I give you this example of an intuition to say, you know, within my own intention setting, because it served my own best and highest good, my intuition had been telling me for months, something is off. We're missing some information here. What's going to happen? Is this about to fall apart? But because of my ethical boundaries, it's not like I would ever go into their energy to say, well, what's going on? What are they thinking about it? I just only was using my own intuition as it related to my side of the work. So that's the best example that I can give right now to illustrate this idea of being open and grounded and intentional in your own intention setting, but then also being mindful about not like poking around other people's energy or trying to probe for information that isn't actually being presented. And part of it is also just the path of our lives and the, the soul journey that we're on, right? Where you're not meant to know everything at once. We have to sometimes let things play out. There is a divine timing, I believe, to certain things happening, even including that situation, which I was devastated and so embarrassed. And even I remember my CEO and my boss at the time had both come to me saying, I think I actually warned them, like I'd said to them, if something weird happens while I'm away, let me know. 
But I remember them coming back to me and just saying how surprised they were that the partners had never given any indication of an issue. And nonetheless, it needed to happen. And by virtue of that happening and being forced into this state of surrender around, like, how is this going to go? Actually, we were able to align with a completely different project partner that ended up creating something that would ultimately become a sort of case study for a whole bunch of really important work that would follow. So this is just to say that even when it feels like a door is being slammed in your face, even a door that you saw coming (laughs) being slammed, I do personally feel like there's an aspect of perfect timing that can happen where you don't know why, but you're not meant to know why things are going the way they're going. You're meant to ride that journey and discover it for yourself. I also just want to say I've had my own spidey senses or intuition warn me when people were being disingenuous or dishonest. And I'm sure many of you can relate because this is one of the psychic senses that I think is most available to us because our body and our gut are trying to protect us and keep us safe as a part of being an animal and being a human being. And I didn't always want to believe those gut feelings that were warning me about people, but I have come to recognize that my gut doesn't lie. And sometimes I didn't know what to do with that feeling that I had, but I will share with you that almost every time the truth came to bear and what I've learned is that the best thing I can do when I get a feeling or a a kind of bad taste in my mouth, if you will, about somebody or something that's going on is to just not second guess myself when I have this feeling. Finding that inner confidence that we can sometimes struggle with. One thing that I want to add is that even the way that I receive my intuitive knowing has grown and changed in time. So when I started out, I would get a vision or I would have a gut feeling that I just couldn't shake or couldn't ignore. And as time went on, my intuition has actually evolved into what's called like a claircognizant connection, which is a type of of intuitive knowing. And it's often one of the psychic senses that people develop later because you have to have a lot of confidence and clarity in your intuitive connection to be able to actually separate the difference between your own thoughts and something that you're sort of intuitively downloading or receiving or pinging into but now much of my psychic knowing comes in through that that claircognizant connection I also have a very strong clairaudient connection which is that I hear in my mind's eye like a voice so it's not an externalized voice because I don't want to be freaked out hearing something that sounds like a real voice and wondering if I'm hearing things I've actually really tailored my relationship with my intuition to, again, be boundaried in a way that makes me comfortable. So I've said to the world of spirit, you can make me know things, you can make me hear things in my mind's eye, but don't freak me out with my physical body feeling like it's being touched by a spirit or making me feel like I'm hearing things because I had such a spooky experience growing up. I was just so sensitive. I've been clear that I don't want to have my intuition or the world of spirit making me feel unsafe in any way. And I I do believe that's something that we can control. And that's actually something that I work with my mentorship clients on in cultivating their intuition or in some cases in managing gifts that feel just so big 
So I just wanted to mention that those clairs and those senses have really evolved and grown over time. You know, while this podcast is about supporting you to cultivate your intuition to create greater impact in your life and in the world, really, sometimes that boils down to stopping unhealthy tendencies like second-guessing ourselves, finding that inner confidence that we can sometimes struggle with. Now, there's always more that I could share with you about this topic. Obviously, this is such a huge passion for me. But I really wanted to come on this episode and just be really open with you about, you know, like, when did I first feel my intuitive knowing and how did I process it at the time? And what was it like growing up as a young person having these senses, but not necessarily knowing what they were to then entering into young adulthood and now I guess some stage of greater maturity where I'm really able to harness this gift to create real impact, whether it's for my own family and my own life or for my clients or for the communities that I'm in. And so it just felt really important to me to share some of that with you because we are going on a journey together in this podcast and I wouldn't want you to be journeying with me as an intuitive guide not knowing some of my story. Of course, there's going to be a lot more that I share. There are going to be more solo episodes and specifically one where I also talk a bit about my own journey as a change maker and my nonprofit career and what that path has looked like for me. But it just felt so important to me that we start out talking about intuition. My goal with this podcast and with these conversations is to really help give you an idea that there isn't one way to connect with your intuition and there isn't one way to tap into your own you know, personal mission or purpose or impact that you want to create in the world, it can look all kinds of different ways. But if you can start to listen to those gut feelings you have, if you can start to keep a, a journal or a note in your phone where you just write down when you get that feeling about something, when you have something that might be an intuitive hit, but you're not sure, Honoring that process can be a really, really powerful way to build your own intuitive confidence and to allow yourself to open to the possibility that maybe you can sense and know more. Maybe these senses are here for you. I believe they are. And that it's just like a radio dial that you can just turn it up, turn it up when you're ready, turn it up as you feel safe, as you learn to set intentions. There isn't a one size fits all for anybody around intuition. And I do believe it's like a muscle that we can train so that it can serve our best and highest good in the work that we do in ourselves, in our families, in our communities, and in our careers. To our audience, I want to say thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed. If you like what you're listening to, please subscribe, share, or click the notification button on your podcast platform. For those listening on Apple Podcasts, I would be so grateful for a five-star rating and a written review. This will also make it easier for other listeners to find the show. If you want to connect with me more, please join me on Substack. I will be posting longer-form written pieces about my intuitive changemaker journey, as well as bonus audio content and having online discussions with the Intuitively Aligned podcast community. You can also find me in the Third Eye Library on Mighty Networks, through Instagram at Sydney Rebecca. yes, that's Sydney Rebecca without an A on the end, or through my website, www.sydneybloom.com.
I also want to give a shout out to our podcast producer, Wilson Lynn. And I want to thank you again for joining me on this journey. I can't wait for you to hear the next episode.